Good morning. This is AB and this is the Talk About God podcast. Um, so I'm working through Genesis still determined. Um, and I've been catching a lot of things that I didn't see before. So Genesis Let's see. Let me figure out which, how far back I want to go. Um, so, Genesis 6. Yeah, because I already covered that Seth is the one, like, when Seth's son's born, that's when prayer pops up for the first time. So, Genesis 6, 3. This is the corruption of mankind. The Lord says, My spirit shall not strive and remain with man forever because he is indeed flesh, sinful, corrupt, and given over to sensual appetites. Nevertheless, his days shall yet be 120 years. So that's when our lifespans got cut um, down. And that picks up from the last podcast, if you listened. Um, So Genesis 6-6, The Lord regretted that he had made mankind on the earth he was deeply grieved in his heart now in my lovely amplified study esque version here it says that the expression of regret and grief seen here do not mean that god acknowledged the creation of man as a mistake on his part he's omniscient knowing all things He knew that mankind would come into wickedness. God grieved over the sin because it was the appropriate thing for him to do. So it made him sad, basically. Not that, oh no, I made a mistake. I regret this. Um, Anyway, super fun. So it, of course, continues on. And this is now becoming the story of Noah, right? Because once God regrets what he did, he decides, I'm just going to wipe it all out. Um, and so Genesis nine, these are the records of generations of family history of Noah. Noah was a righteous man who, one who was just and had right standing with God, blameless in his evil generation. And here's what popped out. Noah walked in habitual fellowship with God. He had a habit of being with God. Um, So, I think we all know the story of Noah, but as it continues, God says, build an ark. Mind you, at this point, I don't think it's rained at all, right? Like, wasn't there something about they hadn't seen rain in like 40 years or something? Like, Noah looked like a real lunatic building a not just a boat, like a massive boat claiming that it was going to rain. And it took him a while, if I remember correctly. Like, I I didn't spot it anywhere in the text, but just from what I have known of the Ark outside of all of this, didn't take him like a year Yeah, so it gives you 
the days of his life that it took him to build it. So it, it's regardless, it took Noah a while to build this gigantic boat. Then God sent the animals two by two, which was super sweet. And then what, of course we know then it started flooding, right? Um, but what popped out to me in Genesis seven was the tail end of Genesis seven, um, six verse 16. And it's, and the Lord closed the door behind him, which I think was really cool. I mean, obviously it was a huge door. I want to go to that Ark encounter thing really bad. Um, (laughs) my goodness, but the Lord closed the door behind them. So, of course, the waters came, all that fun stuff. It rained for 150 days, which is five months. That's a long time. That's Genesis 24. And then in Genesis 8, things start to get cool. So, the ark came to rest. In five mo- after five months of rain, the ark came to rest in the mountains of Eret, um, which apparently is in Turkey. And then, eight five, on the first day of the tenth month, the top of the mountains were seen. And at the end of another forty days, Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made and sent out a raven. So the raven was the first, you know, bird that he sent out. For some reason, after, like, the raven just flew around until the waters were dried up. Then he started sending out a dove to see if the water level had fallen below the surface of the land. Um, so he sent out a dove. The dove comes back. He waits seven more days, sends the dove out again. Waits seven days, sends it again. Um, and when it did not return... He waited another 27 days, or it was on the 27th day of the second month. The land was entirely dry. So I'm sure he waited a little bit longer. And then God said, okay, get out. They were in this ark. This is something that I don't think I ever paid attention to. They were in the ark a year and 10 days total. So it was Noah... Noah's two sons with their two wives and his wife. So it's six people. And then bukus of animals in that ark. Now, I do also, well, I'll get to it in a second because this is what leads me to believe what I believe. So, um, Genesis eight twenty one. The Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intent of a man's heart is wicked from his youth. And I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. So, the intent of a man's heart is wicked from his youth. So, that just goes hand in hand with the from your heart comes evil. You're not born inherently good. There is an intent of wickedness from the start. Um, so the, the covenant 
So, the fear and terror, sorry, Genesis 9 to the fear and terror of you shall be instinctive in every animal of the land and every bird in the air, together with everything that moves on the ground and with all the fish in the sea, they are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be for food for you. I give everything as I gave to you, the green plants and vegetables. So up until this point, animals did not fear us. There was no terror. There was no instinctive running, which is why they coexisted for a year and 10 days peacefully in a boat. Um, This is also the beginning of hunting season for mankind. Pretty nice. Thank you, Lord. And then, of course, afterwards, God gives us the rainbow. So here is what the rainbow actually means for any who do not know what the rainbow actually means. God said, it's Genesis 9, 12. And God said, this token, this is the token, visible symbol, memorial of the Solemn covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I set my rainbow in the clouds and it shall be a sign, a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come about when I bring clouds over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the clouds. And I will compassionately remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature and of all flesh. And never again will water become a flood to destroy all flesh. So one, the rainbow is not just a covenant between me and God. The rainbow is also a covenant between every living creature and God. So I don't know, maybe a deer looks up and goes, oh, cool, thanks. Um, And then on top of that, it says, God said, I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you. It says that every time he sees it, I will remember my covenant. Now, obviously, in this day and age, that's not necessarily what the rainbow has taken on as far as meaning. But that is why it was created. That's that's it right there as a covenant between all mankind and creatures alike. Because it even says it's a sign between me and the earth. Um, between every living creature and the Lord that he will not destroy it again. So there's that. Super fun. Um, and then we start getting into the descendants of Noah, which is of course, always my worst part of the Bible when you start talking descendants, which is a lot of the Old Testament. So, things that I did note, though, that I thought were interesting. Genesis 10, 13. um, Mizraim is the ancestor of the Egyptians. And then you had... um, I'm going to butcher these names, but... Pathrism and... Kalshum, from whom came the Philistines and the Kaporiums. And then Canaan became the father of Sidon, and they later became the Jebusites, Amorites, 
Amorites and Gershites and the Hivites and the Arctites and the Sinites. So he's got us all traced back. And let's see. Oh, yeah. So Genesis 11, it's a universal language. Um, because obviously we were all created by one. We all descended from one people. We all had the same exact language. Well, we did until Genesis 11 when the humans in Genesis 11 verse four were saying, let's build a city for ourselves and a tower whose top will reach the heavens and let us make a famous name for ourselves so that we will not be scattered into separate groups and be dispersed over the entire earth. Now, mind you, God said, separate and disperse over the entire earth. So this is straight out um defiance. It's just, it's just a blatant open defiance on what God said. Um so verse 6 the Lord said behold there are one unified people they all have the same language. This is only the beginning of what they will do in rebellion against me. And now no evil thing they imagine can they can Oh my gosh. And now, no evil thing they can ima- can do will be impossible for them. There we go. Finally got the words out. Um, and then it goes on and he says, Come let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go down there and confuse and mix up their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. There you go. There's where you get different languages. And then we get into more descendants. And I did not find anything just amazing. Um, just people, people, people. Um, let's see. Then we've got Abraham's journey. So... God told Abram, he's not Abraham yet, he's just Abram right now, Genesis 12, 1, go away from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you abundantly and make your name great, exalted, and distinguished. You shall be a blessing, a source of great good to others, and I will bless you, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse that is subject to my wrath and judgment, the ones who curse you. And in you, all the families, nations of the earth will be blessed. So, Abram is obedient. And he does what God says and he goes. Um, And I see the second time I've spotted um, prayer in the Bible, it's Genesis 12, 8. This time, so like the, the very first time, it was Seth, right? And maybe Adam and Eve. I don't know, because it says, if you go back to Genesis 4, 26, at the same time, men begin to call on the name of the Lord. So that was Seth and his, you know, his son had just been born. So it may, may have been Adam and Eve and all of them, because it's the, you know, man began here it says genesis 12 8 um midway through this um he built an altar 
to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord, which is, of course, through worship, prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. Um, and this is after God told him, he builds the altar because God has told him, I'm going to give you um, this land and it will be a land for you and your descendants. Well, Abram um, is kind of a dunce um, because he goes into Egypt and he tells his wife, Sarah, at this point, to tell them that you're that she's his sister, um, which he really, she really was in in his defense. They were half siblings, so same dad, different mom, but still. Um, which, first of all, ew, and second of all. How dumb. So anyway, he does that. And this is the first time. And he's done it. He does it multiple times. It's not the only time he's ever done it. um, Because I caught him doing it again later. So um, he again in chapter 13, Genesis 13, 4, Abram called on the name of the Lord in prayer. So that's the third time that we've seen prayer so far. Um, it gets into, um, Genesis 13 is about Abraham, Abram and Lot and how they were together. And then they needed to divide because there was not enough land to take over both their flocks and, and all of that. So chapter 14 gets really, you know, just basically talks about how Sodom and Gomorrah was getting really messed up and um not, well the war of the kings there was a war and he Abram helped in the war and the king um wanted to give him you know things but he didn't want the king of Sodom to be able to say that he made him rich um Abram Abram rich at all um so he just he didn't um in Genesis 15 this is when um God promises Abram a son. Um, and it, the funny thing is, and this is the, I never caught this before. It wasn't that God was just like, oh, here, I know you want a son. No, Abram said, Genesis 15 two, Abram said, said, Lord God, what reward will you give me since I am leaving this world childless? And he who will be the owner and heir of my house is the servant from Damascus, Eleazar, Eleazar, sir, sir, Eleazar. Um, Abraham continued, since you have given no child to me, one born in my house is my heir. That's then when God said that Eleazar will not be your heir, but the one who shall come from your own body shall be your heir. This is the this is the moment when he promises him a son. And it wasn't like one of those like oh God's goodwill. It was like God, like I'm I got no heir. So, yeah, I I never I always heard the story about how God promised them this child. But I never heard the backstory as to how that came about. Or I did, and I completely breeze past it like I like to do. 
Um, and then I caught on to this, like, God prophesied to him, told him exactly what was going to happen in the future. So Genesis 15, 13, God said to Abram, know for sure that your descendants will be strangers living temporarily in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But on that nation whom your descendants will serve, I will bring judgment. And afterwards they will come out of that land with great possession. There's Egypt. I just thought it was cool that God pointed it out and told him in the very beginning. And then, of course, it gets to the point where Sarah and Hagar, right? Um, So, Hagar is Sarah's servant, I guess. Um, Yeah, her, quote, maid. Which is a whole hot mess in and of itself, first of all. But this, obviously, was a very different time, but still... And then it goes on. This is when, like, this is, like, polygamy at its finest. This is, I think, one of the first times that I see it. Um, Because, of course, before we had Adam and Eve, and there wasn't any Adam taking extra wives and things like that. That was never, never mentioned. Um, And I think that, I mean, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Abraham is where it started. Because... Sarah, crazy enough, is the one who started it. How nice. And so Genesis 16, um, verse 2, she, she just straight out says, like, here, I'm going to give you my maid because the Lord has prevented me from having children and I want to have children by her. Um, And, you know, after Abraham had lived in the land of Canaan 10 years, Abraham's wife, Sarah, took Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his secondary wife, which is messed up. But anyway, so she, of course, conceives a child. Sarah gets livid, which, I mean, what did you think was going to happen? Like, geez. Um, And... Because Hagar, and it says here that Hagar regards Sarah as insignificant because of her infertility. So it almost portrays it like um, Hagar got a bit of an attitude because she was superior. And Sarah got an attitude because... Hagar conceived and therefore, I guess, was somewhat superior. And then it started causing them to butt heads. Shocker. Um, and then, of course, Abraham told her, go, not her go, but told her that, you know, she's your maid. She's in your hands. You figure it out. Um, and, of course, Sarah treated her harshly. humiliated her and um so Hagar fled 
And of course the Lord comes to Hagar, which I do. I do like that. I like that God sees it and he came and he's like, you're with child. You'll bear a son. You name him Ishmael. This is Genesis 11. Um, because the Lord has heard and paid attention to your persecution and suffering. Ishmael will be a wild donkey of a man. He, his hand will be against every man continually fighting and every man's hand against him. He will dwell in defiance of all his brothers. That's not something I would want prophesied over my kid. I'm not going to lie. Like that sounds awful. Um, but anyway, she, she names, she calls, you know, the Lord, the God who sees. Um, so Abraham, I noted is 86 at the time he had Ishmael. He is a hundred years old by the time he has Isaac. Um, which I guess I got ahead of myself in the story. I'm so sorry. Um, but Genesis 17, um, I see the first time anyone fell face down in worship of God, which is Abraham. Now he's been changed into Abraham. Um, it's right before he gets cha- his name's changed. Um, so Abram fell face down and then God changes his name. Again, he, he changes Sarah's name to Sarah. Genesis seventeen seventeen. That is when he changed. Or that's when Abraham Abraham fell face down. This is when he gets told he's going to have another kid. That he and Sarah Sarah are having a child. So here's the difference in their reactions. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, "Shall a child be born to a man who is hundred years old? And shall Sarah, who is ninety years older, ninety years old, bear a child?" And then immediately Abraham says, oh, that Ishmael, my firstborn might live before you. He immediately thinks of his other son as well, which I, I love that about his heart. And of course, God says that as in Genesis seventeen twenty, as for Ishmael, I've heard and listened to you. Behold, I will bless him and will make him a fruitful and will greatly multiply him through his descendants. He will be the father of 12 princes, chieftains and sheiks. I'll make him a great nation um, as well. Now, they immediately start this circumcision thing, which is just rough. At the point that that happens, Abraham is 99. Um, Ishmael was 13. Rough, rough, rough. And they circumcise every man in the entire household, servant and otherwise, everybody. Um, So that's just rough. Now, Sarah... Genesis 18, 12, she hears that she is going to become pregnant and she laughs to herself when she heard the Lord's words saying, after I've become old, shall I have the pleasure and delight my Lord being old also? So the difference is, is she was snarky and he was truly joyful. So of course, God calls her out on it. In Genesis 18, 15, she denied it, saying, I did not laugh because she was afraid. And the Lord said, no, but you did. Um, Which I I was pretty happy about that. Um, And then we get into Sodom and Gomorrah, where Genesis 20, the outcry of sin is indeed great. And their sin is exceedingly grave. I'll go down and see whether they have acted as vilely and wickedly as the outcry, which has come to me. 
And if not, I will know. So God does listen to our cries. He listens to our prayers. Um, and he, he will, he will vindicate. He always does. He is just so, um, I'll pick back up on Genesis eighteen twenty three in the next podcast. Um, but that's just what Genesis, st- yeah, what stuck out to me thus far. Um, there's so much more. I mean, obviously it's, it gets fun, but anyway, I encourage you as always get in the word, get in the word, get in the word. Um, it's a wonderful type of therapy to be reminded that God is good. God is just, and, um, God hears. So I just, I thank you. I hope you have a wonderful day and, um, yeah.